Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV, and I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa. And we're actually doing an early recording of Mr. Robot. I don't think we ever thought we would see this day. No, I mean, I'm I'm pretty proud of us. We're doing it for selfish reasons, but it ends up benefiting everyone in the, in the short term. Absolutely. Everyone can thank and blame you for us being able to record this early. Yep, I'm going on set, and I'm going to be working, you know, 14-hour days, so... No other chance to do it. Exactly. So we decided we'd try to help out the people and give them an early recording of this. Well, I mean, we just watched the episode and everything, so an on-time recording of the this show. And Literally finished the episode about 20 minutes ago. What is it? Uh, episode 10? Yes. Or are we on hiddenprocess.axx? And so I've been on Reddit. And, uh, As usual. That was a mistake. But I found out that AXX is actually an ending for encryption coding. It's like the top uh, file thing that you can do for it. Cool. And uh, I think that went really well for this episode. I know you could probably label that for any episode, but especially this one. This episode was just like, like I said, you know, we, we did the last episode and we felt like we had questions. Like, we thought we had questions then. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> that was nothing compared to the questions we have now. And the theories bouncing off the wall right now are insane. And a lot of them have to do with audio and a lot of references to ears. And there was a lot of that in this episode. I mean, with Elliot on the train, when he was talking to Angela, you see posters of ears. You know, when we see, uh, oh, man, who is the person? Terry, is it Terry Stouts? No, that's the Portland Trailblazers head coach. The guy who... uh, Made his first season two appearance, who Angela was trying to get to go against E Corp. He just oh, what was his name? Is it not Terry Crews? It's it might be Terry Crews. I don't think it's Terry Crews. That name sounds way too familiar. Um, wow, this is embarrassing. Terry Colby, Terry oh, Colby. Colby. I did get that right. Terry Crews yeah. is an actor. <laughs> way to go, me. Oh, man, there's just bad all the way around. Shame on us. But when he's talking to Philip Price, you know, they even use the phrase, he has the president's ear. And then when Joanna's getting ready, we have that, like, elongated, extreme close-up of her putting the earrings on. Yep. And then she tells the story about the earrings, which we'll get there, but uh, I love that. (laughs) And Cass, it's very refreshing and very odd to have a show in current time using the president's name is extremely, like, almost uncomfortable for me to hear Obama's name just in the sense that you never use the actual president. Well, they're talking about Trump, too, because, you know, this this is supposed to be happening, what? In current time, I would say. Well, 5-9, you know, I, I think it's actually happening a little bit, like, probably about a year ago. But um, I love that he says, like, can you see that Trump's actually running the shit that I know about him? You know, it's not <laughs> that campaign flat. And I was like, yeah, Mr. Robot, social commentary. Oh, man, it's just insane actually seeing a show in real time and using the real names and everything. Like, I don't know if another show's actually used a sitting president. I'm sure that they have, just not one with this uh, widespread of a fan base. Yeah, I mean, in the show, I know it's not like a top show, but I mean, it's definitely grown in popularity and everything. And so yeah, I'm interested. It's, you know, it's won a lot of awards. It's got a very loyal fan base, which really is all you can ask for, especially in a, you know, a day and age of a plethora of network dramas. Yes, and I'm very interested to see where it goes next year, you know, in terms of this. And I know it's kind of like a weird off-center thing, but I mean, it's something that, I haven't really seen or paid attention to that much if I have seen it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't either, but, you know, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, we get uh, Terry, Colby, dropping his book and everything, which it's kind of weird that he's releasing a book in this time. I mean, no one really has money, so I found Well, he's never really been one to really think things through, like... You can tell that he's sort of brash, which is like coming up against the president who of the company, who obviously through his little diatribe talks about how everything he's done has been really well thought out and meticulous and taken a lot of time. You know, it kind of highlights 
uh, his, uh, Terry's shortcomings. Yeah. And what I found, the camera work in this scene was just fantastic. Like the zoom outs and then the zoom ins on uh, Price as he's giving a speech. Oh. Over the monologue. (laughs) It was amazing. With the music and it was so silvery, the coloring of that scene. Oh, the music this episode. Like I've never been more in love with uh, the score people than I have with the people doing this episode. Because even like the whole last 20 minutes, I don't know if I've ever been filled with more dread than I was in the last 20 minutes of this episode. So like somebody's going to die. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we'll we'll get to all of that. I just want to go back to where we have Price and Colby talking and as Colby's getting ready to leave, he asks Price, you know, why why are you still doing this? Like why is this so important to you? Like I have to know cuz like everybody has an agenda. Yeah. And he asks him flat out, which is kind of refreshing because characters aren't usually that up in front with each other. And he asks him flat out, he basically says, hello, character in this show, what is your motivation? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, the president comes back saying something that we've all kind of heard, like, I want to be the most powerful man in the room. And everybody, you know, in some semblance of, like, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're doing something wrong. That's a very common saying. So the fact that he's striving, he says, screw that, I'm going to be the most powerful in any room I'm in, except for one or two, which was fun because I'm like, what are those one or two rooms? Yeah. Um, so who do you, who do you think the two people are that are more powerful or that he views are more powerful than him? I was going to say, oh, the president. And I was like, no, definitely not. And then so I think because he clearly knows there's one white rose. Yeah. I mean, there's clearly one person that he thinks is more powerful and then there might be a second. Yeah, and I so, definitely think that it's uh, White Rose. And when, you know, in the room of all the the heads of China, mm-hmm. you know, the one that Dom and the FBI was in, I'm sure he, that would have been one of those rooms. I, I think it's anytime he's with White Rose, which makes the freak out last episode even more disturbing to me. You know, the fact that he lost his composure because he felt like he wasn't necessarily the most powerful person in the room. I didn't well, it's interesting. It, it kind of ma- it actually ends up with that scene making slightly more sense just because of the way he worded it. He goes, "I will make you fail. I would rather you fail than the, me succeed." Yeah. And and that kind of harkens back to his idea that at least if he's able to bring this man down, then maybe he could pass him. Okay, then maybe now he's the more powerful person in that room. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. I smell what you're cooking, and I, I, I can roll with that. And then I think the other person is probably Elliot. He just doesn't know who Elliot is, and that's I why mean, he's able Elliot to say second. Elliot is powerful in his own way, but Elliot is also still very naive in a lot of ways, and he's still at the mercy of a lot of people at pretty much all times. Yes, but I mean, I think that's why he says maybe two, because he doesn't know who Elliot is, but I think he's able to say the person who caused this hack would be the other person who I might not be as more powerful than. That's fair. And But, I mean, the second person is definitely up for interpretation, even the first person, but I, I think we're safe to say that it, it is White Rose. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. But uh, go ahead and let us know who you think the one, possibly two people are that he doesn't view he's more powerful than. Or if y'all got a different interpretation, I would love to hear it. As would I. <laughs> and then we can kind of roll on to Dom being a superhero again. Yeah, I mean, she does the whole idea where, you know, they're at the house and she says, well, why did we burn this location? Why didn't we put surveillance on it? And it's like, well, you know, the FBI wants to do a strong showing after that phone call. And I loved that that made sense. Yeah. Because, you know, we would be sitting here going, well, why did they do this? And the show, like Mr. Robot does a lot of the time, takes those things they know the audience is thinking and puts them in the show so that we don't lose faith in what we're seeing. They did a really good job of advancing the plot in a way that didn't affect the show or hurt the show's credibility, like you were saying. Yeah. Like they were answering our questions before we could even ask them, and they were advancing it very fast with her character this episode. And I thought it worked out really well. Like, I didn't mind her being all knowing and non mistaking in this episode. 
you know, it was funny because, uh, well, I think we've kind of, like, she's tried hard enough and failed enough and been beaten back enough and learned enough that it makes sense to us that she would figure this out. Yeah. And, um, and it's funny because I was thinking, especially when she's in the hospital, she has a lot of long pauses. She does and have a lot of long pauses. I'm sitting there being like, it doesn't bother me as much. Well, because we know she's... She's not thinking about what she's going to say. She's thinking ahead of what's the next thing that I can do. You know, she's piecing together this puzzle as she's thinking. With Angela, we're like, God, it's a seven-second pause just to say four words that just don't give her much credence. I don't know. Yeah. Angela. They're kind of the same character, but painted differently. She wasn't as irritating in her conversation with Elliot, but, you know. That well, she was there. a lot more aggressive. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe not even aggressive is the right word, but natural and actually using sentences and telling stories. Because she's with Elliot. Yeah, she's a 100% completely different person. I like her a lot more when she's with him. And But then we go back to the house, which I didn't see the point of going back to the house, which I guess it was a good thing that they went back and got the tape. Otherwise, Darlene would be in a lot of trouble. And we they would have found that guy. Yeah, they would have found the guy, which might have been good, because he probably would have been dead. Oh, yeah. Like, so, with that level of internal bleeding, like, he might still die. I mean, his, his organs were, like, neon purple. Yeah, I have this I have this idea. Like, I'm pretty, I'm, like, 90% sure Cisco's dead, which is sad, because he's, he's nice. And then, because, like, as soon as they had, like, a f- nice coupley moment, I was like, shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's over. And then I, I'm pretty sure um, uh, Darlene yeah. is still we'll get, alive. Well, and well, that let's guy not, in the hospital might be what saves her from getting in further trouble. I don't know. Yeah, let's not jump ahead to anything. Golly. I'm sorry. I just get excited. <laughs> Backward spoiler alert, if you're here, you're already in trouble because you know what happened at the end of the episode. I mean, if you're watching this, you're already, you're listening to this, you're already in trouble. So. Fair point. Anyway, anyway. Uh, I don't know if that's what internal bleeding looks like, but if it does. It felt very eggplanty to me. I feel like it would be more red or black, but I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I definitely do think it would be, I thought it would be more blue than purple, but uh, I'm okay with it. Like, it's very neon-y. Yeah, I feel like it would be more like a bad bruise. But like I said, not doctors. If someone <laughs> here is a doctor... Let us know. Does a turtle bleeding look like an eggplant? <laughs> <laughs> we would love to know for some odd reason. But, like, Dar... Cisco's way of telling her that she's not a leader and everything and convincing her that they need to save this person actually saved them from being arrested. I really... Um, I really liked that part. <laughs> really? Because um, I was yeah. more, I was like, Darlene's completely okay with him dying, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, like, I, I kind of saw the beginning of the character turns hard because hard knock life. Yeah, I mean, they took that trope, and they turned it on its head by her actually ended up being a good person. Well, that's why I loved it, because, like, I saw that trope beginning, and I was like, fuck. Like, I hate this trope. I don't want to do this. Like, and then he goes, no, like, stop acting like you're in control, and, like, you don't care about this person, and, like, you're heartless. You know, you're not special. We gotta save this guy. And I was like, artists, go. I see you. And sure enough, they go to the hospital, spend a lot of time with the person. Probably way too much time. Like, I didn't think that they would actually stay at the hospital. Yeah, me neither. That felt a little convenient, but it makes sense to me that she would rebound so far in the other direction that she kind of... Overcompensate for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, it didn't feel... It wasn't too much to where it was unbelievable, but it, it, in a way that it was. I don't know. But I mean, while they're at the hospital, Dom finds his apartment somehow. I, I wasn't sure how they did it. I know they said they found a taxi, but I wouldn't think that Cisco would be so, so stupid to take the taxi back to his house. Well, that was also confusing to me because, you know, they tell her to back off and they tell her that her mission is kind of on the back burner. And then all of a sudden they're breaking into his apartment. And I'm well, like, did, did, the, what? the head of the FBI guy said, hey, you know, we got a lead on the cab. Hook up with that person. 
And okay. so, like, it did make sense. No, that I'm talking about in previous episodes. They told her to back off, and they said that they didn't care as much, and now all of a sudden they're being helpful. Uh, I mean, they were just able to... F- he was still telling her to back off. You know, we're doing this bolo, and there's nothing you can do about it. But maybe you can find him beforehand, because we got a lead on the cabs. My main okay. problem was Cisco taking the cab back to his house when he knows he's being watched and everything. Yeah, because he's, 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 he's smarter than that, but... Like I said, you know, there's a lot that needed to happen in this episode for everything to end up the way it was. And if that is the only coincidence, yeah, I guess I can just let it go. <laughs> I mean, we will definitely let it go. And we see, like, his ID and everything, but underneath that are CD cases. A lot of empty ones. And I can't really think of what... I mean, there's obviously significance to it, I feel. And so I can't understand where these CDs are. Um. Nothing. I don't know if there's significance to it. I think it's just set dressing. You know, they're like, oh, he's a hacker. Let's put some CD cases over here. Oh, I completely disagree. I mean, they zoom in on his name tag and the lifting of it and let it linger on these empty CD cases. Well, because they're, because they want you to know, oh shit, they got him. They want you to sit in that moment before they go to the next thing and you're not thinking about it anymore. I mean, we already knew they had him. They were putting a bolo out on him. And they show. After that. No, I mean, it was already safe to say that we knew they had him. I'm sticking to, there's some significance to these CDs that are out there somewhere. Okay, well, you do you. (laughs) (laughs) But then we also get to, I, I, We'll go back to Joanna. You know, we see her getting ready and everything. And bravo to her. Still looks fantastic. After having a freaking kid? Yeah. Like, no. She's looking... I, I was like, what is her secret? And then I just got this image of her bodyguard also being, like, her personal trainer. <laughs> <laughs> like, he gets there in the morning and he's like, drop down and give me 50. And, like, oh, my God. I, I don't know why that was so funny to me. No, that's a great image. Like... She's the boss every time until it's, he's in personal trainer mode. Yeah, it's like those commercials with uh, Jenna from 30 Rock where she's trying to drink the orange juice. And he's like, it's so bad for you. And she's like, no, drop and give me 50. Like that. that It just reminded me of that. And especially since like I've, always, I've been waiting for her and the bodyguard's relationship to turn sexual. Mostly out of some fangirl, like... That would be fun to watch. I don't think it's going to happen, but... I think know. he would definitely jump on it, but I think she has zero interest in the bodyguard. I don't think she really sees him as a human. No, I, think she I really sees don't. Him as a means to an end. I would agree with that 100%. But I liked how we see her getting ready. Like, we see everything behind the end of last episode. And I thought that was pretty cool and something that a lot of shows are kind of starting to do, but not really doing it yeah. as well as this was. Yeah. And then, I mean, I loved, um, so I just, I always think it's like, we were talking about earlier, the music choices and while she's getting ready, we get that like screamo, you know, they're, um, was it a woman screamo band? I have no idea, but I mean, Mr. Robot does it again with their title screen. You know, we see Mr. Robot and then like you said, the screamo music just comes and I was like, how do y'all continuously do this? Week in and week out, you just have a memorable opening scene. I mean, it, it's a uh, it's a necessity to the show. I'm sure it's probably the, one of the first things they think about. Oh, it has to be. Because, I mean, they've become known for this. And they know it has to leave a mark on us. Yep. But, I mean, we have Jolene, or... No, Jolene? I, I don't know why I said Jolene. Joanna. We have Joanna talking to Elliot and everything back at their and apartment. And she looks fly as fuck. Yeah. Like, that lipstick, though. I mean, she missed, like, the corners of her mouth, but I guess That that's... bothered me, too. But when you dab, like, usually it'll take care of it, especially when you've got big lips like that, so... Okay, because I was confused. Like, did she purposely miss it, or is that how it's actually done? But... But... I, I don't you'll know. Have to, you'll have to put on some lipstick and find out. I'll just take women's words, words for it. Yeah. Yeah. But then we have Mr. Robot and Elliot kind of coexisting and working pretty well together right here well i love that moment where he's like we don't have to do this and mr robot starts to walk away and and she's like stop you can't leave yeah and he's like can because he said i feel like she can see me and then they even advance further on that with the you can't leave and he's like wait what yeah 
So that's, I think that's definitely probably going off of, you know, the fact that they're having these weird separate um, experiences right now. Yeah. But I love that Elliot gave Joanna this import in the show when he said, I feel like she can hear us. I feel like she can see us, Mm -hmm. which makes her kind of unique. They talked to us a lot this episode. Okay. And just a weird question. And I don't know if you've ever done it. But how hard do you think it would be to film a show like this where you're kind of ignoring somebody who's always there? Like, it really sunk on me when Mr. Robot was standing over Joanna, like, on the couch. Like, how hard would that be to ignore? Um, I think, you know, with... what I, I actually did think about that when he was leaning over the couch. I checked to make sure his hands weren't making indents in yeah. the couch. And they weren't, so, you know, there you go, Mr. Robot. But um, I think that it's not so difficult to ignore things as it is to pretend something is there. Okay. So you think this is actually a little bit easier than imagining that something's there that isn't? Yeah, the hard part is talking over someone else who's talking and, like, pretending like you don't hear them. Yeah. That's tough, but they didn't push it that far. Hmm. Interesting. And then, but we also have her scrambling whatever signal with the white noise that she has coming from that device. Yeah, I loved that. I love that little touch, just showing how, you know, good she is at what she does. And just paranoid of everything, which you've got two people who are extremely paranoid having this conversation. So, I mean, it made perfect sense. Yeah. And then we get this (laughs) story about how she got her favorite pair of earrings. I loved the line when she said, they're the most, they're the cheapest thing I own, but they're my favorite. And I was just like, oh, so evil good. Like, I love when, when, when Mr. Robot is like, this woman is blood simple. I was like, yeah, she is. And I mean, we realized just, I don't know how to describe her. I don't know if she's power hungry, if she's She's just. She's Lady Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. She just wants chaos and blood and everything. Well, the thing is, is that she's she's Lady Macbeth without a husband. Because in the first season, she had a husband to try and make king, quote, yeah. and now she's without one. So I love the idea of this well, being like a modern Lady Macbeth, like, without a husband. She still believes she has a husband. She still believes Tyrell's doing everything for her. I mean, she says that explicitly with, he's sending me gifts, and that's what well, the story I mean, I was like about. Well, I that they tied in the importance of the gifts and mm-hmm. why that legitimized it being Tyrell or at least an extension of him because we were wondering before if it wasn't just somebody keeping up appearances. Yeah. But now we know why if they are just keeping up appearances, why they're doing it through gifts. Yeah. Especially sending them to her because she would understand the importance of it. The one thing that bothered me about her story, you know, she's talking about the woman and on their first date and it makes sense because their relationship has always been kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But she says, like, I want you to fuck that woman and bring me her earrings. And I just, I always hate this trope that couples are powerful enough to not care at all when their partners have sex with other people if it's for advancement. Like, it's very House of Cards. (laughs) Well, even, uh, I felt Price's speech was very uh, Frank Underwood. You know, the power. Because he always talked more about power than he does money. Yes. And so I thought that there was a lot of House of Cards undertones in this episode. Yeah, there were. And I just, like, I, the trope, I guess, works with who she is. Because I really feel like she genuinely doesn't care. It's just always a hard trope for me to swallow. I don't know if that's a personal mm. thing or what, but I just, I can't imagine literally not caring at all if the person you're in love with or married to or dating or whatever well, I don't think sleeps with someone else. I don't think she sees a person when she's having sex. Like because I mean she just doesn't have normal sex. Her sex is like always an event and whatnot. So I don't think that it really does bother her. Yeah, cuz maybe for her sex is kind of just like it's a necessity, compl- like a satisfaction she has to fill and the relationship is like Where she derives her power. She's just like 100% submissive and just wants to kind of reboot in a way it feels like. Well, she's submissive, but she's also not. 
Well, okay. Because she's in a submissive position. She is being choked. You know, all those things are happening to her. But she's telling him what to do. Yeah. Okay. She wants to be 100% submissive, but she has to give orders so she gets what she wants. But I think well, if she somebody... has to give orders to the new boyfriend. We never saw that scene with Tyrell. We saw it starting. Yeah. But I would imagine he knows exactly what to do. And so that's why I think that it worked so well with her is because she just doesn't see sex in that way. And it makes sense. Okay, I'll accept that in this in this yes. instance. Like, I mean, yes, they use that trope and everything, but I thought it fit well with how they've shown her as a character all throughout the series. Yeah. The one thing I didn't like was, like, A, I never felt any sexual tension between uh, Joanna and Elliot. And then, like, when she went over, like, they kind of made it seem like she was going to kiss him. And then she whispers in his ears, do you really want to tell me no? And... I don't know, for some reason that just didn't sit with me. Like, I didn't see her as threatening to kill him or anything. Even though I guess that's what it definitely was, and we know she could, and would probably. But for some reason, like, that, it didn't hit me. I think it was 50% sexual, 50%, you know, power play. Yeah. And I think I think she comes at him in a sexual way to disarm him, and then sneaks in her threat. Yeah. Which but. is, you know, very femme fatale. Um, you know, you get women like this. Like, we still, in a lot of ways, have to use our sexuality to, you know, e- exercise power over men. Um, but that's something I that, like, that's I don't. She's doing. But I mean, that just doesn't seem like something that works on Elliot because he's so uncomfortable with people. Well, even there, like, she she just disarms him. Like, it doesn't have to be disarmed in an I'm-turned-on way. It can be dis- disarmed in an I'm-uncomfortable way. Yeah. Okay. And I think that that's what worked on him. Because he's, like, you know, he's not used to being touched like that. He's not used to being touched, period. Does yeah, <laughs> but especially like that. That's fair. And then we go to a micro center? Is that what he said? I, 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 I didn't, I was thinking about it. I, I remember thinking, just being like, okay, it's like a Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I would think that's actually a real store. I don't know. I don't, we don't have any down South. I don't know if y'all have them in Texas. It's easier to just like, you know, they've named real things before, but it's always easier to kind of make up, um, So you names. think it like is made up. because it's close to Microsoft. They thought we would get it. So you think it is made up? Uh... No, no, I want to know. Yeah, micro no. center. I'm looking it up right now. Okay, there are micro centers in the world, so there we go. Score one for uh, authenticity. Yeah, there is a micro center. Computers, electronics, computer parts, networking, and gaming. There we go. There we go. And I gotta say, I did love. I did love the bodyguard sitting there playing the video game. Yeah, I, 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 I've always liked the bodyguard. Like, number one, because he's very handsome. And number two, because he's like he's like a human in spite of everything. Like, he does his job, but especially in this episode, when Elliot's done with the hacking, he sits there and, like, tries to have a conversation with him. <laughs> like, totally casual, and Elliot's like, what? And he's like, tells, oh, great, now he wants to have a heart-to-heart. But like, I just love that he's, like, telling stories about all the eccentric people he's worked for, and there's, like, you know, the violinist or pianist or whatever it was that, like, masturbates on the way over, and he just thinks it's funny, and I, I, just, I just think it's a very interesting play on a stereotypical character, because you get the stereotypical hitman slash bodyguard guy who's cold and calculating and blah, 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 and, like, you get this guy who is all those things, but you see his human side, which yeah. is... He actually Definitely has a personality. And yeah. it's always nice to see a person that's supposed to be robotic have a personality. Yes. But as we're in the store, we get the phone call. And yeah. it's, just, it's the same heavy breathing and everything. So do you think the person on the phone was shooken or shaken at all that uh, Elliot picked up? or? Well, I, I'm wondering if this lends credence to the third personality thing because it scares off Mr. Robot. Yeah, like, we don't see Mr. Robot at all for the rest of the episode. And I'm wondering if Mr. Robot is being separated from Elliot and afraid and all these things because another personality is taking over him. That's what I thought. 
but then there's an interview with the writer and everything and I forgot his name for some unknown reason and he talked about he, they just wanted to create a little bit of distrust in Mr. Robot it's like can we still trust him because now that he's disappeared and stuff we had a truce we had an agreement and now there's a chance that Tyro could be alive and Mr. Robot said we killed him well, I'm not sure if he's alive because when the bodyguard sees the address, you know, uh, he goes, is that him? And he says he wouldn't be calling from there. Yeah. And so, they, yeah, we can just jump into the scene and stuff, which it was cool seeing them uh, make a high-powered antenna. And I think that is how you do make one. Well, I liked, I loved how that scene was edited. You know, we get his... Um, you know, setting up his system kind of thing interspersed mm-hmm. with uh, Darlene telling her story in the emergency room. And I just liked, I just liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done because it's always a good idea to take something technical and overlay it with something emotional because then it's hitting you on all fronts. Yeah. Now this, in this aspect, there is so much going on. Like I can, I'm go for it. Going try, to try to be- give them an overview because I don't even 100% understand yet. Okay, so as you were saying, you know, we have Angela telling the story of how she was essentially kidnapped. Darlene. Uh, yeah, Darlene telling the story of how she was essentially kidnapped, and Elliot's getting texts from Claudia Kincaid, and Claudia Kincaid is from a story that Angela tells back in season one about, I think it was called, From the Mixed Up Files of Miss Basil E. Frankenweiler. And she's the main character of this movie and book. Because it is a real story. It's a 12-year-old girl who feels unappreciated at home and plans to run away. That's essentially Darlene's story, in a nutshell. But yet, that name is given to Angela on the uh, Wicker app. And so, as this going on... You know, we get the zoom out, Elliot's blocking out the bodyguard, and we get zoom out, and he's like, why is Tyrell telling me to come here? You know, what's hidden here? And so we go back to that interview I said I read with the guy who wrote it, and they asked him about this scene, and he talks, says this message, and they capitalize certain words. And in this, they say, it says bottom right. Every word that's capitalized spells out bottom right. And so as soon as he says, do you see anything? we see a book that is opened. And where that book was is where Quirty, the old fish that Shayla gave him, is used to be. And yeah. before we started talking about, uh, before we started podcasting, we were talking about this scene, and you said something funny about it. Well, I said that the way, I love the way that it was shot because it pulls out into a fishbowl view. And I said this before he had uh, mentioned anything about Cordy and what a fishbowl is is just when you pull out wide enough that the lens kind of curves on the sides and makes the scene look round and kind of like small. And so, if anyone even remembers, but Cordy is with Angela back at her new apartment and everything. And so, there's a lot going on. Maybe not necessarily Shayla still being alive, but maybe Shayla's with the Dark Army. Because she kind of, in a way, catfished him into his apartment with the, uh, you know, help me, there's a lot. There's blood everywhere, this is life and death. And then that's when she gave him QWERTY. And yeah. so there's so much information with that. You know, we have the open book, which it was found on Reddit. And uh, it ends up being, oh, the, the amount, like there's a virtual reality parts of the scene to where you can scan around the room and everything. God. Yeah, but it's uh, pretty much a dummy's guide for uh, Linksys and things like that. And they even found out it's probably in like chapter 10 voices. So because of course. Because of course. Yeah. And he's talking about piggybacking off someone else's internet that whole time. Mm-hmm. And so it, it all ties back up together. So. The kind of working theory that I have right now is that somehow there's a listening device in QWERTY that the Dark Army's been using to keep track of Angela, or maybe Elliot's been using to keep track, and the third personality's coming into play, and that's how stage two is working. 
I don't know fully. Like, it's just like, like there was I so said, much this information. Raised so many more questions. Yeah, there's so much information given in just this little sequence. But then it also goes back. You know, we have Angela talking to Elliot on the train. That's where we see the posters of the ears, and it's like excellence is in the quality you're listening to, or something. The poster said both posters said the same thing. The one well, behind. It's stage above the uh, or phase. Yeah, it said phase, which I think Maybe goes back think to about phase two or stage two. Well, because there's two posters, so phase two. Yep. And, uh, you know, it goes back. Angela's telling the story about, you know, do you remember when I got met you at the museum and you were screaming because no one could see the person that you thought you saw? Was that your dad? And Elliot's like, I don't remember that at all. Well, that's actually from the book. Uh, that Angela was talking about at Gideon's, the one that I was just talking about where it linked up with Darlene's story. But, like, that's, like... That happened in the book? Yeah, like, that was the exact, like, ripoff from the book. And so it's... Was that a real event? Or was... Has Elliot just completely gone off the radar and made all of this up? Like, I mean, can we trust... Elliot right now being the narrator I mean like I said all I this show is the definition of unreliable narrator yeah so I mean it you know Angela could be in a sense made up you know there's a good chance I know like maybe Darlene's made up I don't know because their symbolance or their like being so intertwined as the same person but not the same person is really weird right now well, I mean, I think it's interesting that we both, that both of those female characters have a moment where they realize how important Elliot is to them. You know, we have uh, Darlene tell that story and she goes, I often wonder what my life would have been like if I'd stayed. And then she finishes the story by saying, but then I wouldn't have Elliot. So that shows just how important he is to her. Yeah. And then, you know, of course, with Aunt, the scene with Angela... Um, spoiler, sorry. They, they <laughs> well, now pissed, we're at that I part. Totally knew it was going to happen. And, um... But it didn't feel gratifying, did it? It felt like they were doing it because they felt like they should. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was happy that they kissed and everything, but there was no gratification. There was no, like, I think this is going to continue. It felt weird. Well, I think that the reason they did it is because they feel like it's the end. Maybe. Like, she's, she's turning herself in, and um, he probably won't be able to be in contact with her after that again. Yeah. I don't know. Like, it was a very weird moment. But then as soon as he gets off the train, two mysterious people walk up. To snag Angela. <laughs> but, I mean... To my kiss of death. They don't look like they work with the Dark Army. And so I, I don't know why they would be coming after Angela. And so... I have this, like, wild theory that it's Mowgli with his hair shaved and Trenton with her hijab off. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see that one at all. <laughs> no, I know, but just in my head, like, how, <laughs> how would... How, I would never stop screaming if that's what it was. It's like, hey, you need to come with us. We are running. Like, we are Audi. But... It... I don't know. That was a really well done scene. And I'm very interested to see what happens to Angela in the next episode. Yeah, Possibly two. She was going to turn herself in. Like she didn't have much longer to, uh, that she was going to, um, be running deal with this. Yeah. And so it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to Angela. I, I don't want to say it's safe to assume that she's dead or alive, but she's definitely in trouble. Yeah, for sure. And then we go back to Dom. You know, she's quickly figures out that somehow uh, Darlene and Cisco don't know that there's a bolo out for him. You know, in well, this day, she says like, "Why did you? Why did you take so long to call us?" And she said, "Well, you know, we weren't on the news because what's her name changes it to the news on her shift." So I thought that was a little thin. That she then uses that as justification for... They didn't see you know, it. 
why they would be coming back. And if they are coming back, why wouldn't she just wait and get all the cops out of there? Why does she feel like she has to run to the next place to eat? Yeah, which ends up taking a while because I'm, I can only assume that it, it takes her a few minutes to get to a bookstore or whatever it is where she talks to the person. And then yeah. she says five blocks over. And I was like, this this is taking a minute. New York blocks are really small. Maybe. I don't know. Never been to New York. I've walked like 40 blocks in like an hour. So, <laughs> So I mean, five blocks jogging. Eh. Still, I'm going to say it takes her about five minutes. Well, I mean, we do have that moment where they thought about that, and they, they have that line where Cisco says, let's just sit here for a little bit. Yeah. And then, like you said, I love the, like, the couplish moment where he immediately grabs something off her plate, and she's like, um, excuse me. It's yeah. probably fries, because there's that stereotype that girls always say they don't want fries, and yeah. they eat half of their boyfriend's fries. It was completely reversed, and I loved it. Yeah, and then She's like, you know, I don't do that coupley stuff. Like, get out of here. He immediately grabs her drink and drinks out of it. And she does the only, like, reasonable thing and just starts laughing. Like, I hate you. Well, the first, she smiled. And mm-hmm. it's a genuine smile. And I was like, it's over. Like, that was my first thought was something really bad's going to happen to them. Well, I mean, my first thought was the music in the background while all this is going on is just so, so ominous. Like, my stomach is in knots. And then, like, we see Dom get there. And then after she gets there, like, we see the motorcycle pull up. And, like, it just slowly keeps panning out and stuff. You see the guy, you see the person on the back get out and just pull out the gun. I was, found it odd that Dom wasn't able to see this. Well, he waited so long and he got so close to them. Like, he's got a freaking automatic weapon. He could have just stood where he was and shot him. Yeah, but, I mean, I like that he got close just due to accuracy reasons to make sure that he kills him. Yeah, I guess, but he got real close. I mean, those things aren't accurate, and it's not like he was aiming. And she, if, if Dom is Miss Perfect Superwoman, notice everything, figure everything out, then she would have seen that shape coming up and looked. Yeah, because she's looking out the window at and some I point. And I was watching her, and she didn't, she didn't move until shots were fired. So, like, I find it very suspicious that she made it out totally without a scratch. Yeah. Well, she's got a lot of blood on her shirt. So, I mean, there might be a bullet hole in there. I doubt it. But also, if you notice, the uh, walk path is the countdown to him shooting. Because as soon as it hits zero, that's when he raises the gun and starts shooting everybody. I, I, like I told you earlier, like, I did notice the countdown and I thought about it. But then he showed up and I was watching him. So, like, I didn't look back at it. And I love how there was no audio. Like, I love that Dom just went in there and then they cut off all audio from the inside. I loved that she went from a medium to a super wide. Mm-hmm. And that they let a scene play out in a super wide. Like, this show just breaks all rules. Just throws them out the window. Oh, just so perfectly done. I absolutely loved how they did this scene. And then we get... He's actually... He shoots, like, kind of up and then comes back down and shoots through the wood and where the booth is to make sure if anyone's ducking, like Angel, or Darlene and... Cisco, that they end up dying. Which I thought was smart because, you know, a lot of the time in action sequences like that, in other shows or movies, characters get out of it by ducking yeah. onto the ground. And he, you know, is obviously enough of a professional to be like, nope. <laughs> I'm t- taking all of your uh, venues yeah, out, which is why we have a problem with Dom just running out. Uh, yeah, she, like, I, I, I would have been okay with it if she, like, came out limping. Yeah. Or, like, holding her arm. Like, if she, if it was apparent that she had been grazed, which she still would have been able to shoot the guy, like, which, if she had been injured. In fairness, I do think that he stops, like, right where Darlene is. Like, I don't think he goes fully across, so he might not have hit her. I think she's probably because hurt. Like, he started off, like, he headshot Cisco, and then he works his way back to the left. So, Did theoretically, he? oh, yeah. Cisco, like, after watching the slow-mo and stuff, it looks like Cisco gets his brains blown out. Aww. Like, huge blood splatter. And then, like, he kind of goes up. And so, theoretically, if Dom moves quick enough, there's a chance that she ducks under. And then I think he stops 
shooting like through the wooden stuff before it would have hit her. Well, and sh- the shots also come from the left of the the her, you know, the right in the in the TV show, the yeah. left for, of us. So it's apparent that she dived to the side, not down. So there's a chance that she could have survived without being hit or anything. I definitely think that Darlene is hurt though because you know we have the um, Elliot sitting there saying like I keep doing things to try to protect the people I love and they just keep getting in more, more danger and they keep getting hurt so I think her getting physically hurt shows how the stakes have been raised and then Angela being in that much trouble like you know it just keeps getting worse and worse Yeah, I really hope that Darlene isn't dead but I do think that she is I, uh, I I would be very surprised if they killed her like that. Now, I w- would accept it if maybe she's in a tough situation and then she's in the hospital and then she dies while Elliot's there for drama's sake. But I would be very surprised if they killed a main character like that this way. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised. Like It's one of those happy, sad surprises where it's like, man, I'm glad a show actually did this, but I really like that character. Yeah. But, and I feel like, and but the thing that worries me about her actually being dead is it almost, it seems like her job is done in a way because she's talking about getting out and not wanting to do it anymore. And then we had that whole thing where she realizes that she's not in control of anything and Elliot's the one. So if she were to die right now, it's almost like she's fulfilled her purpose. True, but also if she's alive, then Dom has her and they're able to connect her to Elliot. So she's a huge liability. And I mean, True. they almost but have they're to. Not, they're not going after her. They're going after Cisco. Yeah, but I mean, now that they know she's a thing, they were going to want to look into her. And I don't know. I, I feel like she's a complete liability if she's alive at this point. I mean, they're all a liability if they get caught. Yeah. And that's why the uh, Dark Army immediately kills themselves. And bravo to the special effects people. Uh, I think, I mean, I looked it up. Well, I looked up special effects on IMDb for this episode, and it was done by Jonathan Heffernan. Like, seeing them blow their brains out and stuff, like you said, even though it's done at a wide angle, looks fantastic. No, I mean, it looked, it looked really good. So did, like, the muzzle flashes and like, just all, all of it. All of that. So John Heffernan and whoever else worked on the special effects and everything, and I didn't see the person who did the score, but great job to everyone in this episode. Yeah, it was it was definitely a solid outing. And like I said, you know, I think the momentum is just going to get higher and higher and higher for these last few episodes leading up to the finale. Well, I mean, we've only got two more episodes. And yeah. they are, it's kind of like a double header. Again? It's a, it's a two-parter. I don't know if we're going to see both episodes next week. Like, I don't know if they're airing at the same time, but it is a two-part episode. I wouldn't be surprised if they aired at the same time, because then it would be, like, coming back full circle into the beginning of the season. Yeah. Well, I just don't know if, uh, like, they have a certain amount of weeks that they have to do or something else. Like, cause I've I don't w- think they have any freaking roles on this <laughs> show. Well, like, I've seen uh, just people saying that they weren't going to air at the same time and not. So I'm just not sure. Like, I've seen it both ways. Well... I hope it's both, because if I don't get a freaking answer about Tyrell, <laughs> I'm going to throw a bitch fit. <laughs> Deservingly so. Okay, ah! so I'm looking at IMDb, and it does look like we're going to get both parts uh, next week. Yep. So, pretty excited about that. we podcast next week, <laughs> after I get back from the Yes. And then, do you want to talk about Angela, or Darlene's? kidnapping story at all or do you think we covered it pretty well well i mean i i think that you know it's the whole point of it like i said was coming back around to showing how much she cares for elliot and their relationship and um there were a lot of very interesting ways in which we were sort of saying goodbye to this character in this episode and that was one of them and um I liked the story. I, I liked the part where she said most kids freak out when they're alone, but I loved it. Yeah. And I think, you know, it makes sense that, because their mom is obviously not anywhere near affectionate to either of them, and the dad always had Elliot as his favorite. Well, the thing is, they both had a pretty messed up childhood, and I, I thought Darlene was about to become a sex slave in this story, but 
there's a lot of talk that Elliot actually has DID, which is, um, oh man, I just completely forgot the name of it. It used to be multiple personality syndrome, but it's, uh, disassociative identity. Yes. And the only way that you can actually get this is through a traumatic childhood experience. Like being thrown out a window by your father? Yeah. And it's only done through childhood uh, dramatic experiences. Well, then it would make sense that that would that it would be his dad because his dad was the cause of that trauma. Yeah. And if he can't reconcile what happened to him, then of course he's going to be haunted by the person who did it. Exactly. And so, is there a chance that Darlene has this as well, even though we are not really seeing anything from her? Um, I don't think so. Um. Shows like this, if you have too many crazy people, it gets, it not not only does it get confusing, but it kind of, like, takes away from the main crazy. Yeah, and we definitely have one crazy person in our unreliable narrator, and we don't even, like, nothing can be trusted. Like, no. And so, like, I'm starting to slightly question if Darlene was real at any point in time. No, I think all these characters are real. Um, I the, would be pretty pretty mad if this show lost at us and he was like in an asylum the whole time or should i say shutter island in us i mean i think that's really in play right now i really I do i would be so upset <laughs> i don't know they already played off that stereotype with he was in prison the whole time still in play like with with the sim with the similarities between angela and darlene it there's so much in play right now, I don't even know. If if that happens, I am going to ream this show harder than I reamed How I Met Your Mother. And that's, <laughs> that's bad. pretty hard. Oh, uh, but uh, I can't really think of anything else, can you? No, I mean, there was just, there was so much, and I just, like, like I said last podcast, I just want it to be next week. <laughs> yes, it's so much But I'm sure so. the season will leave us knowing nothing. You know, we'll get some answers, but we'll still feel like we know nothing. Yes. So please email us, tweet at us, hit us up on Facebook at Bleed TV Podcast or Bleed TV Podcast Gmail.com. Let us know if you have any theories, what you think about our theories, if you liked it, didn't like it. Love to have a conversation with all of you. And until next week, I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa.